am Julie Ross. And I'm Gregory Abbey. And you're listening to the Parenting Horizons podcast. Julie is a longtime parent educator and counselor. And Greg is an actor, writer, and director, and more importantly, a parent just like you. Through conversations covering a range of different topics, challenges, and roadblocks, we hope to give you a few of Julie's tools that might just help make parenting a little bit easier. Look, nobody's perfect, and parenting is challenging, to say the least. With a few skills under our belt, though, we might just be able to be good enough parents and enjoy the journey and our children a little bit more in the process. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Uh, I think I'm ready. We're, okay, cool. we're we're up to episode 11. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to be talking about family meeting. Yes. Which, uh, so we did family meeting for several years. So I have three kids and um, we had very mixed results with it, <laughs> which we can talk about in this yeah, episode. I'd love to. And I can't even remember, is this something that would have gotten introduced to my wife and I in the parenting group or in your yes. your initial classes we took with you? Yes, yes. It's in, it's something that I generally introduce in the initial classes. The origin of the idea kind of came through a lot of my reading and educational background. This idea of getting together as a family kind of on a regular basis, but separate from other family activities. And the more I thought about it, Greg, the more it made sense to me because, and as we talk a little bit about the why of family meetings, like what what it is and what it is and what the effects are, you know, I mean, why bother unless there's some sort of positive long-term effects? But as I began to think about it, I thought, you know, kids are super aware of, of meetings and have been introduced to meetings from preschool on. So you mean that this is something that would be familiar to them? So it's okay to introduce this as an idea? Like, what does that mean? Right, exactly. Well, for example, you know, in a preschool setting or even a kindergarten setting, generally there is what they have, you know, they have some form of morning meeting. Sure. And so at morning meeting, there's a structure, Mm -hmm. you know, the kids come in, they may have free play for a little while, but then they, they sit together in a circle and somebody's the weather person and somebody's the attendance taker. So what happens during these meetings in, in school and translates to the family as well is that kids develop a real sense of community and a real sense of contributing to that community to something that's bigger and more important than they are. So in other words, instead of kind of the world revolving around them, they are participating, they have accountability, and they have ownership of the environment. And I find that that's so incredibly helpful in the preschool. Otherwise, you don't have bonding. Otherwise, you've got a bunch of, you know, wild ragamuffins. Yeah, wild ragamuffins running around doing the things that kids do, right? So that's probably why they start to introduce that in preschool, I guess, right? To to, to give that idea. Sure. That we're, we're part of a larger world, a larger community outside of ourselves. Exactly. So when I started thinking about it in terms of family, it made sense to me because family is one of those things that comes together not by accident, but that isn't as thought out as a school classroom. What do you mean comes together? So I think a lot of kids grow up in families not feeling like it is... A collective? A collective. Okay. And in fact, there's a lot of research to bear that out that kids often feel more connected. And I think we've said this in a previous 
podcast, kids often feel more connected to their peers in the media than they do to their actual family. Right. And so you have to ask, why is that? Well, peers in the media have pretty spelled out rules for how to belong. So you wear this this particular brand or mm-hmm. you or you behave in this particular way, or you look this particular way and you belong. So it's like these ideas and values that they can sort of latch on to. So mm-hmm. I guess the family meeting is about ideally introducing maybe your values as a family to everyone. Yeah, that's one of the most important parts of it, I would say. But also providing an opportunity for the kids in the family, no matter what their age, to contribute to those values or to discussions in the family or to problem solving in the family. So, you know, a discussion from let's talk about where we're going to go for vacation, let's say. Right. It gives them the opportunity to have a say. Now that it's very important that our listeners don't think that that means that kids get their way. Right. Or dictate how things go. Right. Exactly. It's important that kids have a say, but the parents still remain the leaders in the family. So why do you introduce this concept like so early on? If someone comes to you, comes to the group, takes the initial workshop with you, family meeting is an idea that you introduce and give to parents as a tool. We, we definitely did it. Why? Why do you think it's important? I mean, you, you've touched on it already a little bit. Is it about this? Because you've also talked about this idea that if in, in a family, let's say it's two parents and three kids, that if one parent, if one family member is suffering or feeling disconnected or out, it's it, it affects the whole organism of the family. Right, exactly. So family meetings are, are kind of a neutral space where people can bring their ideas, their feelings, their thoughts, their you know concerns without being judged. So that's going to be an important component. You can't just willy-nilly have a family meeting and then use it to, you know, say, and you did this wrong and you did that wrong and you so did you that wrong. So you mean family meeting isn't about throwing aspersions at each other? That would be correct. <laughs> okay. No I got aspersions. It. Great. No criticism, no judgment. It's a it's a safe space. It should be a safe space. Ultimately in the way families really want to try to be a safe space in general. But the thing is, you know, we're all so busy, Greg. You know, I think during the pandemic, people were at home together more. Really intertwined. Really intertwined. So I don't know that the need for family meetings was quite as great as mm-hmm. it as it is outside of the pandemic. But if you think about a typical post or pre-pandemic life with kids, I mean, you know, you have three, you know, one's running off to this, one's running off to that, one's running off to this, mm-hmm. you're taking this one there, your wife is taking the other one to a different place, the third one's going with a friend. It's such chaos mm-hmm. that it's very difficult to actually find a quiet, and I'm only talking 20 minutes. I'm not talking like five hours. Or sure. But to find a quiet space where you can say, where you can check in with one Yeah, another. it feels kind of grounding when it's working really well, especially when everyone is 
running a million different directions. And I think this idea that it's an opportunity for everyone to participate in the family and like what's right. going on. Right. Right. And also, you know, if you think about it, when people are running in 12 different directions, there is a sense of belonging to whatever they're running to, you know. The clubs or the teams or right. friends. Right. Exactly. So I belong to the soccer team. You know, I have a sense of belonging there because I contribute. I'm going to come back to that word, making a contribution to something. I contribute there or an art class, I contribute there, whatever it might be. So you're setting up this idea that you're contributing to the family. Right. That's what the family meeting, part of what the family meeting is about. Exactly. I would, I would imagine as you're sort of describing this, this sort of belonging you feel like when you're in a soccer club or with your friends or you know, doing the play at school. Is it the idea is that you're sort of trying to deform that at home, especially when, when everyone, you know, is running a million different directions? Absolutely. And the thing is, and kind of what I meant before about the family being kind of thrown together accidentally, it's not quite the right verbiage to use, but there is a purpose and a direction to a soccer team. Yeah. Right? You, you mean you have a scheduled practice, there's, you have drills you run through, obviously, right? right. You have to be there, accountability. You have rules, right? there's structure, there's a sense of, you know, contributing to a success or a win, right, mm -hmm. for that. But the family doesn't naturally have that. Right. In the way that school does or soccer does or the other activities that so kids that's can what get this, invested in. So that's what this is about. This family meeting is about. So let's say let's say you're introducing this as an idea to a, to a parent or parents that have come to you and you're like, hey, this might be an advantage to your family to do it. W what do you say to them? How does it manifest? How do you begin this? So what I tell parents is I say, first of all, I have had a lot of objection over the years to the words family meeting. People seem to have an allergic reaction to that. Okay. So I- I Maybe because it feels like another chore? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's too formal. It's too structured. It's too whatever. Um, I don't want to have another staff meeting in my week. You know, I mean, most of people's work experiences of staff meetings are really awful. Yeah, so yeah. Sure. The brutal. I mean, I remember before I went into business for myself, staff meetings at where, you know, at the not-for-profit that I worked for were awful. So, you know, so they have this kind of allergic, abrupt, oh no, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not, not going to go for meeting. that. Yeah. Right. Or, oh no, my, my other parent is not going to go for that. So the first thing I say is call it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I don't care. You don't have to call it a meeting. I think it's convenient. I called it a meeting only because kids are familiar with that language, mm -hmm. you know, because they have morning meeting at school. But you're getting, if you're getting pushback, I think one of the big ideas, and I, I'm going to talk about part of why it worked for us and part of why we had uh, trouble, mm -hmm. you know, what you just said was, you know, if the if the name family meeting doesn't work, use something else. I like this idea is like, we're going to lay out, because you have really specific ideas about how a meeting should go, but right. it seems like the key, and I think we sort of failed in this a little bit was having some flexibility yeah. around what it family meeting means. So we're going to lay out in this episode, like this is how you could do a family meeting. Wouldn't you agree with that? Is that 100%. I mean, it feels like that's what you're saying. Even with the name, you're like... Right, exactly. No, 100%. I think rigidity in general, when you're addressing parenting, you know, any any part of parenting, rigidity is probably the worst thing 
that you can do is you to mean, be so, rigid about it. Around any of these tools or techniques that we talk about in every episode. Yeah. So you have aspirations about how something can go. Right. Goals to meet that right. you want to try to get to. Right. I mean, I think we talked about it in terms of the mother who, you know, took very much to heart not telling her son that she was proud of him. Because she didn't um, want to overpraise. You right. Because she didn't want to overpraise. She right. wanted him to feel good about himself without her doing that. And she was too rigid with it. I mean, she wound up with a teenager who said, you're proud of me? I had no idea. You've never said that. You know, so we don't want to be rigid with any of this stuff. It well, it's all it's all trial and error, too, I feel like, right? It really is. And obviously, every child is different. Every family system is different. So you have to be flexible enough, especially in the beginning of introducing this idea of whatever you want to call it, family gathering, family time. Family get together. I mean, I have one family. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have one family right now that calls it tea time. And they literally have sit down with a cup of tea and they sit down with some cookies and they have, they have tea time. Tea Fabulous, time. you know. So what's the main benefit of it, you think? I think the main benefit is that it creates this sense of belonging to something bigger and more important than you are. And that sense of belonging is to the family. So I have a secondary thing that I think it's important for, uh, and a tertiary. You know, Ron Taffel said that by the age of six, that children often feel more allegiance to second family, meaning their peers and the media, than they do to first family. Our goal as parents, should be that they come to us for knowledge about their our values or values in general. But if we don't create at least the same strength of that belonging, that sense of belonging in the family, they'll go elsewhere. Yeah. So we it's setting up this framework. We all need to feel that we belong mm -hmm. to something. I mean, if you think about it in your own life, what are the things to which you belong. You know, I belong to church. I belong to pottery. I belong, obviously, my family. But I don't know that that is obvious to so many kids that they have that sense of belonging. And I feel, Greg, like it's gotten me even worse in recent years. When families are together, even not during a formal setting like a family meeting, which we will continue to call it even though our listeners can call it anything they want. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you get a sense of belonging if everybody's on their own device? Well, that, I'm sure that that's a huge struggle with, with everyone right now. Exactly. We definitely had it. I mean, we have a no device policy anyway in a lot of ways. But when we were doing family meeting, we certainly had a no device policy. Exactly. So it seems like this is now a collective, like the, you talked about with these other teams and everything else. It's it's a way to feel a belonging to the family as part of why you do family meeting. It's also... a part of everyone having an opportunity to have their own voice, right? And express their needs within the family. Right, exactly. It's also a very, um, it's a great place to problem solve when a problem comes up in the family that hasn't been solved by one of the other myriad techniques that you can use. Well, also you're on the run all the time. So it feels like a specific place and time to really address things as opposed to like, it's not that things don't get addressed, but, you know, in the chaos of your family, I mean, I know ours, at the, it still is, but, it, you know, at the height when things are so chaotic and everyone's running different places, you might touch on things, but not always in a kind of grounded present way, I guess. Absolutely. And especially now with devices. So kids like to do drive-bys. 
right? Hey, dad, can I go out with, to lunch with Sam? Sure, because you're on your device, right? There's no, it's like, and then you, wait, what did I just agree to? So family meetings provide an opportunity to say, let's bring that up at family meeting so that we can be focused on it and thoughtful about it so that I neither give you a yes off the bat or a no. Well, especially if it's sort of a big question or idea. I mean, I was rereading your book last night, How to Hug a Porcupine, because you do a chapter on family meeting. One of the examples you can- you brought up in there was the daughter wanted her bedtime to be later. Right. Right. Which seemed like a big, it's a big idea. It's a big thing. Like you can't really do that in a drive by. Like, hey, mom, can I stay up later? Dad, can I stay up later? Right. So it's like that's would might be an example, right? That you would say in family meeting, that might be something that could get addressed because now you're all seated and it's sort of thoughtful and the child wants to sort of express their needs and you want to have a conversation about it. Right. Exactly. Ultimately, kids can come to the point of realizing that family meetings are really beneficial to them. Yeah, they can be because if they feel like they have a voice. So maybe we should get into the specifics of it and then we can expand on it. So you introduce this idea, whatever you decide to call it, we're going to call it family meeting throughout this podcast. So you introduce this idea to the family. One of the things you said in the chapter is you feel like it's really important if you can. And again, I guess you can have some flexibility around this, but you have a, you're doing it once a week. Yeah. So I suggest that families choose once a week, same day, same time, because if you do it ad hoc, like randomly, like randomly, like, oh, we have time today. It's a Tuesday. Never Let's do happen. it. A, it's never going to happen because there's always going to be something, quote unquote, more important coming up. But B, it doesn't have the same kind of structure that lends itself to feeling like this is an entity. A a thing, right. If if it's too casual, it's not going to have any weight or meaning to it. Exactly. And there's too many ways then for people to say, oh, I can't today because I'm going over to Susie's. Oh, I can't today because I have to work late. Or, oh, I can't today. You know, one of the components is that that there is a structure to it, just like morning meeting in preschool, just like soccer practice, right? You know what day of the week it is. You go there, go to a specific location. Mm-hmm. You take that time. So we need to be thoughtful in terms of the family having that same type of structure. Otherwise, you know, otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah, it'll fall apart. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just like any of these other things you're talking about, whether it's morning meeting at school or practices, like you need to set some expectations around it about mm-hmm. and some formality to it, at least, even if you have some flexibility within that. So there is some expectations. Exactly. Okay. So you, you say pick one time a week and you generally, I guess it depends on the size of the family, but you're saying- 20 minutes. 20 you know, to 30 minutes. 20 okay. to 30 minutes. Right. There's nothing worse than you know a bunch of fidgety adults. The reality is many times kids really like family meetings because they realize that they're going to get the later bedtime if they if they talk intelligently about it or they're mm-hmm. going to get something out of it. At least that potential is there. But, you know, the adults get fidgety. It's like, oh, I have to look at my phone because something's coming in with work. Right. So you want to make sure that it's a short enough time. That people that, don't start to lose their minds. And, and we are, it's harder now because you can feel it. 
I have it, but I see it in kids. It's it's shorter attention span, I think, because of all the the social media stuff. I think and being online and exactly. all exactly. So so you have the expectation that it's going to be twenty minutes. So you figure out a time. You sit down. You have the family there. How do you begin? What's what's a way to to begin it? Well, I recommend. There's, you can do it any way you want. I want to, you know, reinforce that again with the idea that call it whatever you want, do it whatever way. Yeah, you but want. you you did have some. Good, I do. Yeah, you have some good things that we followed that worked, and I think is compliments the first thing you start with. Yeah. So I like to have bookends on the meeting. So something pleasant starts it, and something something pleasant ends it. Mm-hmm. That way, if it is being used for problem solving. The problem solving can get a little gnarly and you want to come in with a good feeling and you want to leave with a good feeling. Basically, this idea that the family is actually a nice place Mm -hmm. to be. So I do recommend that you start with compliments. I recommend that everybody compliment everybody and they compliment themselves. Wow. I will say we, I think we evolved and this was one way I think we were good in terms of being flexible because there were five of us. We ended up drawing names. Yeah. And we ended up doing one compliment. So, and we tr- tried to mix it up so you got a different person each week. Cause I think we tried to do the, so that again, again, this isn't, this isn't, you can be flexible. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it works great and the kids are fine to give everyone a compliment. Cause the other thing was the way we were doing it was that we got them to be conscious about giving a thoughtful compliment. So it mm-hmm. might not be like, mom's a good cook and then you were done. Like we really encouraged them yes. to like, hey, really think about this. Yes. Um, so anyway, so compliments is a way to start, which I think is great. We I like we like that. I like that part of it. And I think the kids did too because they like they liked getting compliments, but it was also a way to impart a value around mm-hmm. being thoughtful about mm-hmm. someone else and thinking outside of yourself and taking a moment to really think. So that's what we would say is like don't just say mom's a good cook. Take a minute like how do you feel about mom, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, and the other thing, too, is that over the years of having done this, what I've found is that, I mean, everybody likes a compliment, especially if it's genuine and sincere and specific. And those are the qualities that that people should follow. You make need to make sure that it's genuine, something real, that you're not making it up, that it's sincere, that you're, it's spoken in a, in a sincere manner, and that it's specific. So mom's a good cook is too general, mm-hmm. right? But here's what I find just wonderful about compliments. They're really for the benefit of the person giving the compliment. Mm-hmm. If I give you a compliment, Greg, right? If I sit and I'm thoughtful about one thing that I appreciate about you, I'm going to feel closer to you. You're going to like getting the compliment, but I'm going to feel closer. Yes. I think it's also about, you know, that's why I'm not in AA, but they talk in AA about like, if you want to build self-esteem within yourself, do some service. In a way, it's right. Don't you think that's part of the idea? Like that's almost a little bit of service. I mean, anytime you can think thoughtfully about someone else, it makes you feel better about yourself, especially when, and I could see it in my own kids who sometimes obviously would have conflicts among each other but like when this one child would give a compliment to the other child it sort of affected their relationship and i could see the child who gave the compliment feeling better about themselves if only because they see how lit up their brother or sister well and also the person who's giving the compliment feels better about the other person so in my groups back when they were you know longer in length in terms of groups used to be 10 weeks long the world got busier than groups were eight weeks long. 
world got busier. Now they're five or six weeks long, right? But we used to do what I called an encouragement circle, which is that on the sixth session out of 10, everybody in the group, and I didn't prepare them ahead of time for this, my bad, my mean, but they would have run if I had. We did an encouragement circle. We acted like we were a family. And I went around and complimented everybody in the circle. Of course, I'd had some time to think about it. Not a lot. I didn't script it. But And then everybody in the group had to then compliment either if it was a small group, everybody, or compliment the person next to them. And, and what did you see happen? I saw a, an incredible transformation in terms of the closeness of the group. Well, I mean, everyone wants to be acknowledged in that way. Everybody wants to be acknowledged, but what they they wound up saying when we processed it afterwards was, wow, you know, I thought I didn't know anything about Jane. And then, you know, I knew I had to, to say something. And then I realized, you know, that Jane has been very honest about, you know, the sharing that whatever it is, the sharing that she's done with the group. Right. And when I when I gave her that compliment, I feel so close to her now. Yes, it makes a conscious connection to your inner life if you really take a moment to really think about it. Yeah. So so that's great. So again, like we we just talked a lot about compliments. That can that can be something that can go really quickly. I think it's great if you could get a child to give a compliment to everyone and themselves. You know, we definitely evolved to a point where it was like, okay, we're just going to have them do one. Well, your family was too big. I mean, the not it's not too big. Yeah, with big, five of us, with would, five of you, that it, it would, would take, take the a while. And the, and the drawing the names was sort of fun. It was a fun way to start. And so, okay, so now you've done compliments. The next step is maybe old business. Yeah. So what I recommend in these family meetings is that someone take notes. Yeah, we had a journal. We mm -hmm. had a journal, and I think we'd we'd also take turns. Although I think my wife ended up doing it mostly, but yeah, it was kind of taking brief notes, right? Because in in part, Greg, because sometimes you're going to make a decision as a family that is going to be misremembered. Let say in mm -hmm. the week. So for example, you know, maybe you're talking about allowances or maybe you're talking about, you know, a party that's coming up in a couple weeks and what the child hears you say versus what you actually said can be two different things. Mm -hmm. So when they say, you said I could be out till 2 a.m. or you said my allowance is going to be a million dollars a week, you can say, well, let's look back at our notes. Right. The other important component of note taking is that when we're speaking, you know, as a public speaker myself and as a workshop giver, when I'm speaking, if I see somebody taking notes, I feel taken more seriously. Because you feel, feel like they're really hearing you, you mean? Of course. Yeah, sure, sure. Right. As opposed to, you know, they're staring off into space or whatever. So when we take notes in the meeting, wh whoever in the family decides to take notes, the other members of the family feel that they're being taken seriously when they speak. And there is part of that contribution, that sense of I'm contributing. Oh, look, it's being written down. I have a voice within this unit of our Ex family. Exactly. So part of that journaling is that, you know, after compliments, you can go to old business and that might be now you're reflecting back on, hey, last meeting we talked about, you know, your bedtime or where the allowance is going to higher or where are we going to go for a vacation is the idea then as i sort of remember this is there anything else we need to discuss around that idea 
Right. So it can serve as a check-in. Like, you know, I know that we said that we'd move your bedtime 15 minutes later. Last time, let's check in, see how it went this week, see if that's still feeling okay or if you're feeling more tired. So it can be a check-in about something, a decision that has been made. It can also be like with 20 minutes, you're going to have to table some stuff. You're going to have to go, you know what, we didn't get to that today. We'll get to it next week. I'll write it down so that we come back and we, you know, put it on the kind of agenda, if you will, for the following week. Mm -hmm. Because if you feel like it's going to be, yeah, because some of those things could be a really big discussion. I love that Mm -hmm. checking because in the book, you, you, you use the bedtime, which was great. So her bedtime was nine. I want it higher. All right, let's go to 930 and see how it goes. So a week later, they were able to say to the child, like, okay, how did it go for everyone? How did it go having right. your bedtime later? Oh, it went pretty good. Okay, we're willing to push to 10 o'clock. So, right, exactly. You know, and part of what can happen in that discussion, because it can almost sound like you're only focusing on one kid, but let's say you say yes to the bedtime being at 9 30, but the other sibling in the family says, you know, after a week of it, says, well, it didn't go so great for me because they were up and I couldn't go to sleep and I did want to go to sleep earlier. And so then you say, okay, well, let's brainstorm about that. Let's figure out how to make it work the best that it can for everybody. So it's not just a one-on-one reflection with the kid because otherwise you'd basically be having just subcommittee meetings Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a family meeting. But everybody in the family should have the opportunity to say what their feelings are about a certain thing or what their opinions are about a certain thing and not be shot down and be listened to in a serious manner. Yeah, so that's old business. And I the next step would be new business, right? Then if there's... Right. Okay, so we've now gone over anything that was sort of remaining from the last meeting. Now, is there any any new business that people have? And I just want to throw this out there, too, because I remember we had a lot of issues with crosstalk. Oh, uh, yeah. And people talking over and sometimes getting heated. And so I don't... I forget if we had a timer or maybe we had like a rock or a stuffed doll or something like, okay, this person has the floor because it, it got out of hand for us. Is that something you've yeah, talked about Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Crosstalk is usually the death of a family meeting. <laughs> so you do, you know, I recommend something like that, a rock or a, a doll. It's kind of taken from the Native American tradition of a talking stick so that there's a, a particular object in that, in that case, a stick that gets passed from one person to the other. Okay, I'm finished talking. Now they have the talking stick. Now they have the floor. You know, you You might also need a timer because otherwise someone can just hold on to that doll or the rock or whatever and sit on it and go, I'm not giving this up. I'm going to have the floor for the entire 20 minutes. Yeah, I think we might have had a timer. And that's another thing in in 12-step programs. A lot of times they have a timer. So everyone gets their equal, you know, has a chance to speak and someone doesn't dominate the meeting. Yeah, I think it's really important because in family meetings, in families, you're going to have one person generally who's kind of the talker. Mm-hmm. And they could just take up the whole time. And then the whole thing is working against itself. Yeah, because, because the idea is that everyone has an opportunity to participate in a, obviously in a family meeting and correct. has a chance to have their voice heard, right? Exactly. So compliments, I love that because you're saying it's a nice, easy, kind of thoughtful 
pleasant kind of fun way in. Mm-hmm. Then review whatever you know was left over from the p- previous week or needs to be checked in on. Then you can bring up anything that comes up for each individual that's new for that week. So, and there's a v- huge variety of ways to do that. So some of the most successful things that I've seen have been that each of the people is given either a diff- you know an individual notebook or there's a central notebook with a different color pen for each individual. So that during the week, Things that they think of that they want to be discussed at family meeting can be written down mm-hmm. because otherwise they'll forget it. Sometimes mm-hmm. there there can be a central list, you know, where mom or dad writes it down, especially if you've got young kids, because I do recommend that you start this at very young ages so that kids get a sense that this is just part of what we do. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder to introduce when you've got a tween or a teen Because they're like so cynical already. Well, yeah, that's when we started to run into some problems. But you're saying this is, this can start early, which I think is great because the idea, and we've talked about this idea before, it's, it's a way to start imparting your values as a family and select, and, and also setting up this collective based on what you said at the beginning that, so they'll have their secondary family, which is their friends or their soccer team, but it's great if you can start to establish that, oh, they also have a family that they can rely on, that they'll also be heard if they right. have an issue. Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think one of the the most fun parts, potentially, of, shall we call it new business, things that come up during the week, one of the most fun things that I think, um, certainly for our family and for a lot of different families that I've worked with over the years, is the idea of if there's if nobody has anything really specific that they need to talk about, that you can use that time to build what Covey, Stephen Covey calls a blueprint for the family. And what he means by that is that if you think about a building going up, and so you go and ask the foreman of the building who's in charge, what are you building? You know, what, what, what's it going to be? And if he said, I don't know. And you, and you said, well, uh, wait, where's the blueprint? And he said, oh, I don't have a blueprint. You don't have a blueprint? What do you mean you don't have a blueprint? No, because I have the best workers. They're the most skilled artisans available, right? Best workers. I've got the best tools available, and I've got the best materials available. When it's done, we'll know what it is. You would be like, that doesn't make any sense. You've got to have a blueprint for right. all so, these people yes, to follow. This is insane, right? This idea. This is there's, insane. There's no plan. Okay. There's no plan? How do you not, how do you not have a plan? So Covey, I think quite cleverly, links that to the family, that we are, we're not a building, but we are an entity. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a plan, you can have the best materials, you right. can have, you know, in the form of the raw materials of your children. You best can have kids, the you can best have tools kids, and techniques. best tools and techniques. You can have, you know, everything can be the best, but if you don't kind of know what you're shaping here. So what do you mean though? How does that, what does that mean as a blueprint? print or plan for your family? So blueprint, the blueprint, which we're just calling it for the sake of calling it it something, the blueprint is made up of your values, your shared values as a family. And the way we get to those shared values, the articulation of those shared values, is by asking in the family meeting open-ended questions that are values-based. So for example, what is the purpose of this family. I mean, if you just sit for a minute and think about that question, that's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, heavy. When I thought about it, I was like, 
I don't know that I have an answer right now. I'm like, what? what is the purpose of our family? But that's, right? that's a good one. Uh, yeah, what is the purpose? And allowing everybody to answer that. There's also, and I'll use this in, as an example of how young children can even contribute. Another values-based question would be, who are our heroes in the family and why? So when we asked that in my family, right, and I want to use this as an example of how young kids contribute. My son was about four and my daughter was about nine. And so we said, who are our heroes in the family? So my daughter was learning about Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad in fourth grade. And she said, well, you know, I think Harriet Tubman should be one of our, our, our heroes. And so we said, why? And she talked about the bravery and the courage and, you know, the standing up for people who, you know, are marginalized and great, you know, so Harriet Tubman has been a role model, right? For our family, that kind of, those characteristics. My husband came up with someone, I came up with someone. That's not even the important part of the thing. My four-year-old, right, had just been sitting there quietly scribbling on a piece of paper <laughs> because they were four. Right. So I asked my son, do you have an idea about who one of our heroes should be? And they said, yes. And I was kind of surprised because they were four mm -hmm. and they were doodling. And I said, okay, who? And they said, Mickey Mouse. And I thought, what? <laughs> Mickey Mouse of all the commercial. Right. Well, you know, that doesn't like, I don't know. I, but I kept my mouth shut and I said, well, tell us why you think my, Mickey Mouse should be one of our heroes. Four years old, my son said, because he makes us laugh and laughing is important in a family. Wow. So even very young people, you know, young kids can contribute in a meaningful way. We wrote Mickey Mouse down. Laughing is important in a family. Mm -hmm. And that's one of our values, to laugh together, to have fun together, right? So the values-based questions can be anything you come up with. There's a whole list of them in my book, How to Hug a Porcupine, but anything from the purpose of the family to who are our heroes, how do we want to be remembered as a family? If somebody were to say, you know, the Ross family is, and fill in the blank, what would they put in that blank? These are great. So these are open-ended questions. That are values-based. Right. And as those begin to coalesce, they become a blueprint that you can hold your child accountable to. So another example was we had a kiddo who was my daughter's best friend, and we often included her in our family meetings just because she was often there because her mom and I kind of traded off for mm -hmm. childcare. So I had noticed that the two girls had been making fun of their school bus driver like before school, before mm -hmm. he got there. And they'd been using his name and making up stupid rhymes and, you know, nothing filthy, but just not nice. And so in a family meeting, I said, so here's our values-based question for today. How do we treat want to treat people who are outside of the family? And is that different from inside the family? Big, long discussion. You knew this, you, you did this on purpose, knowing that yeah. this was going on with the bus yeah. driver. Okay. Yeah. Um, although it's one of the questions that I think people can ask. So, you know, they said we want to treat them with kindness and we don't call names. And if we have a feeling about a person, we talk about the feeling, but we don't put down the, other per the person, blah, blah, blah. Wrote it all down. The next week, same behavior with the bus driver. So at the next family meeting, the kiddo was there again, Emily's friend. 
And we sat down and I said, you know, I noticed something, you know, remember last week we talked about how do we want to treat people, you know, and here's our answers. Here's your answers. And I said, I, but I noticed that you were, you know, making fun of the bus driver's name. And I don't think that's in line with what we said. So today we need to think about between now and next week, we need to think about whether we want to change the behavior Mm -hmm. or whether we want to change what we value. And that landed with them, I imagine. Oh, my. Well, of course, they were just sinking down yeah, in their I chairs. I wasn't trying to shame them. Yeah, but of course. I, but you're trying to, like you said, this is the idea that you're in, trying to impart some values and how the family functions, lives in the world. Precisely. And that can work to good effect in families when you say, how, as a family, how do we want to treat one another, right? Because siblings are going to fight. But if we say the way we want to treat one another in the family is by using I statements saying, I feel this or I feel that, not you're doing this or you're a horrible person or calling names. Once that's been established, it becomes part of the blueprint. It mm-hmm. becomes part of the values that they've contributed to, that they've been a part of creating. Right. And so they're more likely to live by those values. Okay, so that's another option you're saying when you're talking about new business, if there's not a lot that comes up, you can do these value-based questions that sound great. They're sort of open-ended. I can kind of remember some things getting out of hand, especially if it was like maybe a conflict between kids or if it was a really big problem that you couldn't necessarily solve in family meeting. I imagine that Is it okay to have like a breakout room about it afterwards? Like maybe you and your parent deal with the child individually because sometimes those things you could do 20 minutes easily on one topic. Is that is that, a, is yeah. that something you can do? Yeah, I jokingly call them subcommittee meetings. That it's like, if the whole meeting's getting hijacked by one issue, it's like, let's take this offline. Let's pull it over to the side, you know, and we don't even have to do it right now. But let's talk about things that are that are central to the entire family. As right, because things can start thing. to, to steamroll and get out of hand, especially if it's sort of a big, deep issue. So it's okay for mom and dad to... to to circle back with that at another time. In oh, your, in yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that speaks back to the flexibility as right. opposed to rigidity, because otherwise you're going to be stuck there for hours discussing something that's not resolvable in a short amount of time. Okay. So we've done old business. We've done new business. We've potentially done value-based questions. What's another thing that you, how do we start to end the meeting then? Are there a few steps left? Yeah. I mean, I also like to take care of allowances during a family meeting. Now, not every family is capable of giving their kids an allowance. So then this does not apply. There's no reason that you have to give your child an allowance necessarily. But if you can, right, it's better than just buying things for them. Mm-hmm. So if you are have enough means that you are, you know, your kid comes in and says, I want a Starbucks, and you're like handing them cash, mm-hmm. or if they say, I want to go out, you know, for pizza with my friends, and you're handing them cash, then that money should really be money that's given to them in the form of an allowance so they can learn to manage money. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I mean, I think... I think we need to do this one as an episode on its own yeah, with allowance. I do too. But it is an idea. I think in a couple episodes, listen to us because I think we should talk about this. I really like this idea because it's sort of complicated. Like 
Well, there's a few things. That first of all, the child's going to be excited because they get some money at the family meeting. Yes. But then the allowance is not. You've talked about this too, and I think we need to go into an episode so we can really talk about this. But that it's not necessarily connected to doing chores. It's more about teaching the value of money. That's what you were sort of saying. That if if you're just sort of giving money out anyway, if they want to get a slice of pizza or get a coffee with their friend, that if you give them it in this specific way, it's just more, there's more form to it. Right, exactly. Well, and it teaches them about spending, saving, budgeting, all of that stuff in a safe way. Because if they blow their entire allowance on pizza, soda, and candy on a Monday, but they're not getting their allowance again until Sunday, that teaches something, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's very different from running up tens of thousands of dollars on their first credit card when they go to college. Right. And again, it's already now you're starting to establish this value around money and what money means and they can start thinking about it. So great. I, I think we need to do a whole episode on allowance because mm-hmm. we could talk about that for a while. But that that's an option. I remember my kids were always very excited about that part. And one of the enticing reasons they came to family meeting. Well, let me just interrupt you just to speak to that for a moment to say that nobody should be forced to attend a family meeting. But if that's where allowance is handed out, they'll come. (laughs) You know, and it's not like even a manipulative thing. It's just like if you have to pick up a paycheck at work, you're going to show up to work to pick Mm -hmm, up a paycheck, mm -hmm. right? The other thing I do want to say before, because we should go into a whole episode about this, but I also want to just say this idea of not linking it to chores is pretty important. Because some people will say, well, you know, but it's more like the real world where they, you know, you do a job and you get paid to do the job. So if they get paid to make their bed in the family, it's similar to the real world. The problem is that in my experience, the kids will give up the chore eventually because the allowance isn't that important. Mm -hmm. So now they're not learning about being responsible in the family by doing things that you supposed to do to help the household run, i.e. making your bed or putting dishes in the dishwasher. Right. What you're saying is just be part of being in a family. Precisely. So okay. they're not learning about that. It's not connected and then, to money. Yeah. And then if if they stop doing the chore and you stop giving in the allowance, then they're not learning about money management either. It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. In your experience, it doesn't work out as well when the chores are, when the allowance is tied to chores. Ever. Good. Okay. We definitely have to do a deeper dive on that. So I want to get into some of the complications we ran into, but the last thing you would say is you end with something fun, right? Is that where we're at now? Right. Exactly. So this is the bookend, right? That the compliments are the front end of the bookends and this doing something fun together as a family. It can be something super small, like, you know, I know a family who would put all their hands in a circle and then we throw them up, right, do a right. cheer, you know. I'm trying to think. We did a lot of different things. We we would, if we if they had the patience for it and it had gone well, we might do a card game. We might do a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might do, we did a lot of family dances, which could be hard with teens, but we made it kind of ridiculous and maybe it would be only 30 seconds. So yeah, you can get really creative with that. Yeah. And, and also it, read the room, from, you know, yeah, and you, what you they're willing go, to do. Precisely. And you can c- go from complex things like we would go swimming afterwards, you know, we'd take all our suits up to the gym, to the pool, and we'd go swimming. You, know, you can do something that's lengthy. You can do a card game, and you can just do a hug or 
Great job. A high five, everybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be extensive. time consuming. Right. And it can be different every single week. Right, right, which will mix it up. And I think also we maybe even took turns with letting the kid pick, like, what are we doing this week? So everyone had a, you know, a piece in it. So, so just to recap. Yeah. Same time every week, mm-hmm. at least shoot for that. You're mm-hmm. you're talking 20, maybe 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. You're starting with compliments. Mm-hmm. You're doing old business to recap every anything you needed to do. Right. You're doing new business. Maybe if there's not a lot of new business, you're doing a values-based thing that just opens right. up a conversation. You're doing allowance if you guys do that. Mm-hmm. And then you're doing something fun to end it. Correct. And again, it seems like the, the, the main thing of it is like, okay, we're making this... Because it feels like a family because you're in a family. and But this is like a specific stopping and being doing consciously thinking about your family that everyone feels like, oh, I have a part in this because I'm going to have an opportunity to express my needs, something I'm frustrated with. You're going to be there as a family and teach the value of like, and that person's going to be heard. Even if you don't agree with it, even if you think it's absurd, this is a time for everyone to feel like they are a part of this functioning organism, right? Right. And the other thing, too, is that what it communicates to the kids is that my parents value our family so much that they're willing to put everything else aside for 20 minutes once a week to sit down as a family. And that's critical. Because there was a book, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it was little sayings written by kids, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the author had compiled. And one of the kids said, treat me at least as well as you treat your clients. And I found that heartbreaking. And I think a lot of kids today think that they're not the most important thing that the family is not the most important thing, Mm -hmm. that their parents' jobs are the more important thing, that their parents' friends are the more important thing, that the charity work their parents do is the most important thing, and that the kids are an afterthought. And I'm not saying to make the kids the most important thing, but make the family the most important thing. To send that message is critical. That's great. I... Well, there's two things. I I do want to say real quickly, because I forgot to say in terms of new business, one of the things you talked about is expectations. Because even when you're doing something fun, Mm -hmm. you brought up vacation. Like, let's say you're taking a family vacation. So on the page, like, that's going to be great. We're going to go on a Disney cruise or we're going to a resort or we're going, you know, wherever you're going to take the time and family meeting to say, like, what is everyone's expectation of this of this vacation? Yes. So everyone can. This is what I want to do. This is what I hope to do. You know, so right. even when things, it doesn't have to be a problem. It can be something that's really fun. Yes. You're doing as a family, ideally, even though vacations can sometimes not be fun because of whatever stress and tensions, but you can sort of eliminate that. Mm-hmm. I really like that. We did that a lot. Like, because, yeah. you know, it's going to be fun, but what what do you want to do? Well, you know what? My daughter might say, I don't want to go visit with everyone. I want to sit on the beach and read my book. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily do that, but it gives every everyone an opportunity to express their express their needs, right? Sure. And you know, and in in a case like that, it opens it up so you can say, "Okay, how can we figure it out so that you have as much time as possible doing that?" Right. And we can 
can go visit Aunt Susie and Uncle John and Grandma. And, and then it's a discussion and a compromise and, and they get to feel like heard and you do too. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, it can't be, you can't sit on the beach every day and there's some things where you have to do. How do we figure out how to do that? Yeah. And similarly, Greg, you can use family meetings as a debrief after you've oh, already right. gone I remember on that, that too. vacation. How did that, how did that go for How'd everyone? How did that go for everybody? <laughs> right. So that you can kind of plan ahead for how it might go differently the next time because you want that feedback. You don't just want to go, oh, thank God that's over. You know, sometimes vacations like Disney and stuff are fun. Sometimes vacations to relatives can be trickier, yeah. let's say. I mean, I've been on a few cruises and part of it, the 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 wild or I guess this isn't fun, <laughs> but, but like day five, you see people completely melting down. Yeah. Because everyone has an expectation that it's supposed to be great and fun. And part of it is, but it can also be hard. But I just think, you know, family meetings, another place to talk about expectations mm-hmm. about events that you guys are going to as yes. a family, which and, I think is great. And then how things went. So that then that helps you rebuild expectations for the next time. Yeah. And adjust like maybe how can we do this better? Yes. If you hear that. I mean, I guess, you know, the complications we ran into, and I just wanted to throw this out there for people who are going to try this is that. I think first of all is that my wife and I maybe had different ideas about it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it too, is you getting on the same page. I think I found her too maybe rigid around it sometimes. And she found me too lackadaisical about the family meeting. Mm -hmm. And I think both were true Mm -hmm. and it became problematic. I mean, the other thing we really struggle with is one of our children just blew up the meeting every time. Yeah. And it was really hard. What was so, I wish I'd read, I must not have read your book because I was kind of looking it over again last night and you wrote, if one child doesn't want to do it, they don't have to go. And I just was like, I think we kept holding on to this idea. Like it it wasn't every meeting, but it was a lot of meetings. This child would derail the family meeting and Mm -hmm. make it kind of a nightmare. And I think we felt like, no, this is family meeting. They have to be there. They have to be there. And now reading that last night, I was like, and I think we did get to a part eventually where like, just go because you're demolishing this. Right. And I guess that's your idea of the flexibility around it, right? Right, exactly. And this kind of spoken or unspoken guideline that not everybody has to attend the family meeting. I mean, you should aspire to that, I think, for sure. Of course. But like we just, it it got so extreme that it it was destructive. And I think the other thing when I talked about what I felt was maybe rigid is that we had this this list of things that we had to do every meeting that you're you're saying that I think it's to have those things to aspire to, but that you don't necessarily have to hit everyone depending on the mood of the room for that meeting. Exactly. Use it as a general compass that's going to point you in the right direction, but don't try to follow the exact route. You're going to have to go around things. It's like an airline pilot, right? Going from here to San Francisco. They have a compass. They have a general flight pattern. But if they encounter bad weather, they're going to go gonna around. Adjust. They're going right. to go around, you know, or they're, you know, they may have to land the plane or whatever, but they're not going to be so rigid that they're going to go up. Oh, well, too bad that weather's in the way and we might all die, but we'll just <laughs> We're go plow on. through it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so if there's one thing we could end with, is that in, in terms of family meeting and to, to keep in mind, or I don't know, a couple of things, but one of them is not being rigid around the idea. of uh, To have expectations, we've la- we've laid out very a specific track that you have had success with, and, and we did too. Like we had this structure but is that one of the most important things about this? What would you end with like for family meeting for parents to think about? 
I feel like it's more important to have family mating than to not have family mating. Even if it's imperfect. Even if it is completely imperfect. Even if all you do is compliments. Even if all you do is play a game together. Even if all you do is have time to go over what the week's schedule is. It's just that time that you set aside that is going to communicate to your children that the family is more important than each individual component of that family. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Horizons podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share with your family and friends. And if you'd like to hear more about Julie's work, join one of her parenting groups, or see about individual counseling, please visit ParentingHorizons.com. Or you can email Julie at julie.ross at parentinghorizons.com. See you next time.